All right, what's up, everybody? It is the Exit 52 podcast, the very first one. We are here today on the eve of football. It is your boy Banks, your boy RDT, and new host Taylor Smythe. How you doing, boys? Doing fantastic, Banks. How are you? I, it's, this is going to be tough for me, guys. I know you personally as Eric and Brian, so the, so the people outside are going to maybe know you by the, the, uh, the barstool names, but really excited to, to talk Baltimore sports with you guys. You, get, you guys sum it up. You're the voice of the fan bases, so we're, we're going to get this thing popping. Those are those are big compliments coming from you, and and again, people people will learn who you are and, and the the stuff that you have your hands on, and uh, they'll come to they'll come to appreciate you as as much as they appreciate us, hopefully. And uh, yeah, I mean we're just I mean Brian, you know you know we've been we've been itching at this for a while, and and I feel like this comes up every now every couple of years, and you know we kind of figured it's time to throw our hat in the ring. Yeah, sure. So Exit Fifty Two Podcast, uh, Baltimore based podcast. We're talking about sports talk a little lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. Um, we think that there is kind of a niche out there for somebody to kind of take take the reins and be the number one podcast in this area. And we have as, you know, as good a following as anyone. And we had a podcast four or five years ago that kind of fell by the wayside for a lot of different reasons. And uh, with the way things are going here for, for us Baltimore sports, uh, it's it's just time to get back in there and get back on the horse and, and start firing away these podcasts and throw our hat in the ring and try to be the number one uh, podcast out here. So um, for those who don't know, Taylor Smythe here is a, a social media maestro down at the University of Maryland. Um, I mean, absolute stud, has his own podcast down there through the athletic department called Hear the Turtle, absolute fire uh, podcast name and great name great name he's, he's kind of the the magic johnson here of the uh, podcast hopefully he's uh quite the facilitator the guy likes to talk to say the least his tweets are better than magic's though <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's i don't think that's too hard of a bar no no so welcome it's it's a it's a pleasure to have you taylor and um you know we love what you do down in maryland and we're excited to have you and uh and here's some of your takes because i've heard quite a few over the years and um, it's time for the world to hear them. No, it's, it's fun to jump on here, guys. And, and obviously, um, as someone that grew up in Baltimore, a uh, fan of the Ravens and the Orioles die hard uh, my entire life. So going to be able to jump in on that. As, as Black says, work for the Terps and, and have that other podcast here, the Turtle, for all your, all your Maryland needs. But we're Baltimore-based here, and that, that should be pretty fun, considering, honestly, pretty exciting time for Baltimore sports and guys, I don't think we should waste any time uh, anymore. And let's just like get into the talk that people came for. And we'll start with the Baltimore Ravens beginning their season this Sunday. And obviously our, our Ravens, man, that's you banks. Um, an amazing season last year that ended unfortunately uh, to Eric's Titans here um, in the playoffs, but high expectations once again for the birds. Um, they come in with a loaded roster once again, um, and I don't want to dwell too much on last year. I'll go right to you, Black. What do you think um, about how the Ravens come into this this season, really looking like one of the, the three or four favorites to win the Super Bowl? You can't help but feel excited. Uh, they definitely seem to take the initiative on getting the guys back together, trying to run it back, and addressing the few things that were, were issues there. Um, you know, Derrick Henry is an issue for everybody. Uh, but the Ravens were especially exposed. They were exposed early in the year against um, Nick Chubb and the Browns in terms of those stretch run plays to the right and left. Uh, they really missed Terrell Suggs and C.J. Mosley, or, yeah, their departure, especially Suggs on the edge. 
So they addressed that by, by getting Calais Campbell for a friggin' fifth round pick, which is a joke. It's EDC work and his magic. Um, and then drafting Patrick Queen and Willie Harrison uh, to kind of be the future of the center of that defense. Uh, Queen's got a ton of speed, so he can move sideline to sideline. And that's the entire idea of, of stopping these stretch run plays. Um, you know, not every team that they run into is going to have a Derrick Henry, and they very likely could have, you know, run back the same personnel. Uh, you know, LJ Fort is back, but they let Josh Bynes walk. They easily could have run it back and been another 12 and 14, but they, they have higher aspirations than that. They want to win a Super Bowl. And so they, you know, Eric DaCosta worked his magic. Uh, Derek Wolf in there too. A lot of length, great edge setter there for Clias Campbell. And, uh, the defense just might be better than the offense. That's one of the big debates to be had here in Baltimore. So it's, you have to, I, I, I have a tough time thinking that there's a better, more complete roster out there than the Baltimore Ravens this year. It's it, one of the best parts about the Ravens is, is they're never satisfied with who's on the team. I mean, you, even when you look at that offense, you could have sat around at the running back position and stuck with Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and Mark Ingram, and no, nobody would have batted an eye. I mean, right. those guys were incredible last season with Lamar Jackson. You go out and get a guy like J.K. Dobbins now who's, who's received rave reviews in training camp, who, as someone that watched him at Ohio State week after week, is an incredible back in all facets. Uh, it just seems like a roster, and it almost seems like they're getting slept on a little bit, and you understand that. The Chiefs are, are a powerhouse. You know, the Titans are up and coming. The Bills are up and coming. Um, and I don't want to say that the, the reigning MVP is being slept on, but I'm looking at, at preseason predictions and I'm seeing a little sleeping. I'm seeing a little bit of sleeping. And it'll be interesting to watch the Ravens respond to that because you know uh, John Harbaugh is going to get in that locker room and, and, and tell them all of that stuff and, and be like, guys, we haven't proven anything yet. And, and, and really the, the thing is that they haven't. You go 14-2 and two and no one will ever remember it when you lose in the first round or lose in the divisional. Um, so it, it's nice to see them go out and, and challenge players at positions that, that could have felt comfortable, continue to improve that roster, um, and, and try to deal with some really good teams um, in the AFC. For sure. And I think that there's, um, you know, in my little monologue there to start things off, I really didn't even mention Lamar Jackson. And uh, I did kind of fly off the handle a little bit today on Twitter, um, seeing some of the comments by a Cleveland Brown, which were really harmless comments. It was more about the fact that the Ravens are a rush first team, which they absolutely are. So he wasn't wrong in what he said, but um, I'm starting to get the feeling and, and the people are, are making the same jokes that they made a year ago before Lamar Jackson went out and threw the football all over the place. So um, I like that there's that bulletin board material that not that Lamar's ever been a guy who, who hasn't been motivated, but there are people out there hating and I'm, I'm ready to grave dance a little bit all over again. So um, I don't know, Eric, what's, what's your perspective from somebody outside the Ravens fan base? Yes, you're in the area. So you do have a little bit of a, I don't know, a, a look into what the discussion is locally, but do you get the perception too that Lamar Jackson is, is not getting the respect that maybe he, he had gotten going into the playoffs last year or, or, or um, compared to this time last year? I mean, last year, at this time last year, the big question was, like, all right, if we're literally going this time last year, what is it, two days after the, the opening day win against Miami? And people are saying, well, th this isn't going to hold up. There's no way. It's just the Dolphins. It's just the Dolphins. We heard that countless times. Um, and, again, I'm as not a Ravens fan, but someone who consumes all the media in the area, I mean, it does seem like he is kind of 
well, he can't do it again. He, there's no way he can do it again. He was just, you know, the unanimous MVP last year, by far the best player in, in football. Um, and, I mean, it, it's just so foolish. And to me, like, like reading the Browns quote, it's probably like what you guys did when I read it. I was like, well, all right, well, you're in for it on Sunday now. Um, yeah. You made your bed, you got to lie in it. And we'll see what he does Sunday. But, yeah, it's, it's – I just don't get why people keep doing this. Like, don't – you don't keep poking the bear. Um, we saw it week after week after week after week last year where they said, well, I feel like every defensive coordinator up until the playoffs said, you know, well, we're going we're gonna to make Lamar a one-dimensional, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to be able to run. And they just couldn't do that. Like, oh, we're going to make him beat us throwing. He did. Like, he did that several times. He did it year. over and over. And over and over, yeah. Tired. And again, Obviously, yeah. it, wor- it worked for the Titans in the playoffs or whatever they did. You know, it, it worked. But I mean, it, it worked one out of eighteen weeks. One out, of, you know, whatever. So it's, exactly, it's the anomaly. And once they oh, absolutely, that, like like he was up on the defensive side of the ball where they were never chasing scores until that mm-hmm. Titans game. They were pretty much unstoppable. I, I, what I had to write today on the blog was just a reminder to everybody that twelve games is more than one game, or sixteen games, or whatever you want, whatever sample size you want to look at it from. Lamar Jackson went out week after week after week and threw the ball all over the place. He threw it short, long, middle, to the sidelines, outside the numbers. Unbelievable year from him. And the graphic I pulled up from Next Gen Stats was he had, out of the 12 quadrants, if you do short, middle, long, and behind the line of scrimmage, and left, center, right, 11 out of 12 spots he was above the league average passer rating and most of them he was through the roof so um just led the nfl in touchdown passes last year right yeah i mean i mean i mean the bottom line is he's the mvp of the league i mean when you're an mvp of the league it's weird that your skill set continues to be questioned but the the answer to that question is that he he lost two playoff games so he's lost two playoff games and that's that's where that the crux of that debate is but now and, and you have to give the guy credit it's i want to win a super bowl he doesn't talk about anything else i want to win a super bowl i want to win a super bowl that's the right thing to say now he's got to get to that place now the regular season proving it's done i mean it, re- it really is in the minds of anybody reasonable it, it's just a weird situation to be in because we're weeks away from where he actually has to prove it um and this entire season is going to kind of be built around that narrative but as you said Black in your first sort of open there, that defense has a chance to also be special. And, and maybe that becomes the story more for this Ravens team. Last year, it was how incredible that offense was and the, the different things they were doing and the amount they were running the ball. Um, and then that ends. And, and you and I were sitting in that stadium together last year, Brian, watching them not be able to get the run established. And you kept yelling at them in the third quarter, but go back to the run, go back to the run. Maybe a lesson's been learned once they get to the postseason to not have Lamar throw it you know, almost, you know, all, all those times around 50 times. So you've, you've kind of triggered me there with the actual <laughs> details of the memories. Now I just am having flashbacks of me just yelling, uh, you know, why are you an empty? Why are you an empty over and over and over in the third quarter? And <laughs> just losing my mind. Up. As Eric's going, stay an empty, stay an empty. <laughs> yeah. I, keep it coming. Keep it coming. I love that. So it's just a, it's a wild thing to see, but I, I just can't imagine as we sort of look specifically to this game, you know, the Browns obviously well hyped last year, didn't live up to it. Baker Mayfield did not live up to, you know, his lofty expectations and expectations I think were warranted coming off of his rookie season. They've got a ton of talent offensively again, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, 
Jarvis Landry. They add Austin Hooper, who was awesome for the Falcons last year. I think a little um, underrated for people if, you, if you're following football, but they threw to him a ton last year. So they're, gonna, they're, they're talented, but I can't see how this, how this Ravens team overlooks them and, and, and loses. I, I think this is going to be a really motivated group on Sunday. Yeah, especially with the layoff and, and not having any preseason games and all that energy. You know, if they had had that, that week one preseason game and they put their starters out there and they kind of get the pads popping and, and get some of that frustration and anger out in M&T Bank Stadium where they had lost, you know, eight months prior, maybe a little bit of that energy is, is sapped. But I think this Sunday, just coming off of that loss, they're, like you said, they're going to be extremely motivated. I think they know what they're getting into with the Browns. The Browns really kind of roughed them up there early in the season. They were really the last team to, to give a look into uh, how to beat the Ravens, which is really on the ground, um, and to get ahead in the game. So uh, I think there's an acute sense of what the Browns are capable of. I you know respect their personnel for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think the roster, you try to stack them up against each other, and, and the one team is clearly better than the other. So that's why they play the games, though. We'll see on Sunday. Yeah, it should, it should be interesting. And, and the other, amazingly, the other big Baltimore sports story here in September is the Baltimore Orioles. And I, I can't even believe that I'm saying that, but the Orioles come into this weekend a game and a half behind the New York Yankees and looking at possibly at a playoff spot with which I made a joke to someone last week with a roster that we almost could have built from like a rule five draft. Like you look mm-hmm. at this roster um, and, and obviously beyond guys like Mountcastle and, and prospects like that, it's, it's guys that have come in and just done their job all season long. It's been incredibly fun to watch in a year to 2020 that has had many things go wrong. If you have, if you, you hold the Orioles near and dear to your heart, this has been a very fun team to watch and clearly the culture that Brandon Hyde is creating is one that looks like it's going down the winning track. I posed this to you, RDT. Are, are the Orioles closer than we think, or is this a 60 game, you know, play inspired? Everyone's not really there because of how weird the season has gone. Or do we feel like there are pieces on this roster that moving forward in the next two years, you can see this team in the playoffs over a, a full season? Um, I don't, I, it may be a little bit of both. Because I don't know if, like, like what you were saying, since it's a 60-game season, maybe not everyone's there. I think since it's a 60-game season, more teams, are, you know, are thinking they're there. Like, the, Mar- the Marlins are in a playoff race. I mean, you know, they had nine. The Padres, no doubt, think that they're there. <laughs> Padres, Padres are going to be the number two, you know, they're probably the Tigers be, are right behind the O's. Tigers are there. The Orioles are there. All these teams who, and I mean, like, you look at some of the teams who are fighting for that first pick, that Kumar Rocker spot. It's the Red Sox, the Pirates. The, you know, the Royals. So some of those, the Red Sox, obviously we didn't think were going to be there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do think it's a little of both. It's just super exciting. And, and to me, what really proved that people are not only believing in this team, but like they can do this, they can make a playoff run is last night watching the game, the Thursday night or the uh, Wednesday night game, the Orioles have a five, one lead and a six, three lead end up losing the game to the Mets. They had a couple of spectacular plays by the Mets Conforto out in right field. I think Brian, you you had that joke that no one was more um, like it, it, um, what, what did you say? No surprise one was surprised that he that ball in him. He couldn't believe that ball was was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing, but but people were furious. People were legitimately upset at a September loss for the Orioles, and like it's like I was talking to Brett Hollander today, not to Wilbon name drop, 
you know, but he said, you know, are people excited about this team? And I said, Brent, last night, people were furious. Like, people were losing crazy. their minds. Like we've watched the Yankees fans lose their minds over the last two weeks. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this team blew a four run lead. It's like, mm -hmm. wait, ask, ask somebody what they were going to do with a five one lead in, in New York in September, two months ago, one month mm -hmm. ago. I said, like, if you would have told me at two months ago, hey, the Orioles are, are going to be a game and a half back of the Yankees. They're going to start a four-game series in the middle of September with a chance to jump them in the playoffs. You would, you would have had me drug tested. Like, it's, it's absolutely insane. And, and, yeah, I mean, this – like you said, the team, it's, it's full of Rule 5 guys, waiver claims, things like that. Just, just guys picked up off the trash heap. Um, and, and, I mean, it's uh, – you know, I mean, we saw Hanser Alberto last year. He's still doing it again. Santander before he got hurt was arguably in the MVP race. You know, she probably would have got some votes. Um, it's just, I mean, they've been super fun to watch. And then you get DJ Stewart with whatever happened to him down in Bowie. I don't know what it <laughs> yeah, is. I don't, yeah. That's a, that's a, that will be a mystery forever. Cause he is I mean, a different guy. He, he, he looks like a completely different player. And then we have, you know, Ryan Mountcastle who casual four for four in a walk last night. Um, the guy's just, he was born to hit and and we're seeing that now we've heard for years that his bat was major league ready and and he's he's shown it he hasn't been a liability in the field yet i'm sure that'll pop up at some point but now this is almost like hell why wasn't he up two weeks before why why wasn't he up a month before i mean this bat the ball he hit out to center field you know earlier this week was 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 unreal it's just he he hit it out to the deepest part of the ballpark and i they're fun like you said i mean this this town coming into the Coming into baseball, it was like, oh, baseball's back. The Orioles are going to suck, so who really cares? And it's like, okay, well, again, it's a 60-game season. Yeah, it was, it was wake, wake me up in for the draft. Who, yes, yeah, it was, yeah. it was, all right, let me know when we get Kumar. Like, uh, well, Kumar I'll, I'll be happy days. then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and that, so what, coming into the year, I, I don't know what, or if it's been spoken explicitly, but what, what has been the rebuilding plan in terms of, timeline how many years went like what point did we think we were on and what point are we on now and then does the result here at the end of the season affect where we think we are going into next season I don't know I I don't think Mike Elias is going to change whatever plan they've got in that office or boardroom where they've got it on the wall or they've got it in the computer and I know they do I don't think this is going to change what he's doing and you saw that at the trade deadline I mean they we're throwing out, you know, bullpen assets to contending teams to try to get things back. And I don't think they're going to keep doing that. And I think you saw that with, with Mountcastle. I don't think, I think they stuck with whatever plan they had for him, regardless of what their record would be. I think, you know, if they had had the opportunity to bring him up when they did, if they were 10 games or above or 10 games below, that's what they were going to do with whatever development. I don't think this is going to change what, however they're looking at. I do think it's going to help them if they want to use these assets and flip them for other things um, at some point. Um, and I do think it potentially has some guys playing for spots that they didn't think they'd have. I, and, and I think the one thing that's good for that front office and, and for Brendan Hyde especially is you're building credibility with this fan base that you have put a pretty exciting product on the field this year and you've shown you can roster build a little bit at a time when clearly you're trying to restock the, the, the minor leagues and clearly you're trying to build this for three or four years down the road, but their ability to identify talent has been pretty impeccable. I mean, I, I the, the pieces that they keep bringing up to, to fill in, I mean, like Pat Valika, 
mm-hmm. is out there just performing. And that speaks to the Italian evaluation. And then Brandon, Brandon Hyde is a guy. I mean, he, he, he I, I trust him. I don't know in a 60 game yeah. season where we're under 500 and a game and a half back of an expanded playoffs, you wouldn't think he'd be this excited about a team, but the guy says all the right things. He clearly has the trust in his plays. I was very impressed at how he, you know, emotionally talked about all of the things um, with his players deciding not to play because of the social um, injustice things a couple weeks ago. It just feels like he's got that clubhouse right where he needs them to be. And, and those guys play hard. I mean, they, they just play really, really hard. So it's been fun to watch. It, it reminds me of some of those Buck teams where, or, you know, like the 2012 team where they were throwing out the Lou Fords and Randy Wolf made some starts and, and guys like that. Yeah, I mean, they're, Pat Vileka was absolutely raking. And, I mean, you know, it seems like they like Brandon Hyde and, and they're going to play for him. I mean, there have been – the last couple of weeks, there have been very few games where they just don't show up. It seems like every night they show up um, and, you know, even if it's against the Yankees and they've lost 18 in a row, it doesn't matter. They lost that, that, that game, the first game of the doubleheader last week in extra innings. They easily could have won that. They turn right back around. They win that night. They win that the second game of that doubleheader. Take the re, take the rest of the weekend series with guys like Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer, who we didn't even talk about. Who have I mean, Aiken's been fantastic, and Dean Kramer could not have had a better uh, major league debut. Absolutely befuddled. So, like he made Luke Voigt look so embarrassed. It was it was unbelievable. And again, like it seems like all the pieces that that Elias is is personally touching or turning to gold and again I'm, I'm not expecting every prospect to turn out like dean kramer they're not all going to be ryan mountcastles there are going to be some busts but like you said like that's why you stockpile this talent that's why you 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 have this pool of uh, you know now it's a top 10 it's a top eight farm system and they're going to keep plucking pieces from that whether it's you know usnell diaz in a couple weeks or, or next year something like that they have the pieces down in buoy right now to, to I, I think, really excite some people. And again, I mean, it's September 10th. Football is starting, and people are still talking about the Orioles, and it's, it's a damn good thing. So I, it's, it's, I'm excited to see what else, you know, Elias can do. And, I mean, Tommy Malone went on the IL today for the Braves. It's, it's unreal that they got it, – it reminded me – someone just asked me on Twitter, what was a better trade, the, the Tommy Malone trade or the, uh, the Kerry Vedvek trade from the, uh, the Ravens? <laughs> it's just insane you know it's it's insane that they're getting people from that and i don't know if there's something in the water here in baltimore but elias is is picking up you know it, it seems like he's just yeah. carrying over from his astro yeah. days and and they, they work the draft they even work the draft so well you know mm-hmm. stocking up on the college bats at the beginning and then saving the bonus pool money not to get too inside baseball about the draft but to to sign those high school guys I, there's just a level of operation that seems to be elevated um, for sure from the front office um from draft day to the product that's put out of the field and and from the top down they just they just seem to have it um in a good place right now yeah Yeah. like a a great point that i think eric made was the uh the parallels of the 2012 team are all over the place Mm -hmm. talking about a team that is supposed to arrive a year or two uh later than when they did a team that that kind of just stayed in games and stole games for three or four months. And, and their run differential was, was pretty far in the negative. And then you start winning enough of these close games where the, the players start to believe and they start to fight hard and you call up some young guys and they start producing immediately. And that's where your Mount Castle comes in. And then you have these, these guys that are plucked off the trash heap 
uh, your Miguel Gonzalez type guys that that come come out and just start start eating up some innings and just keeping you in games and and you steal enough and next thing you know you're you're in the playoffs. So um, the difference there is I think that that what Taylor said about what um, the GM is going to do is continue to stay the course and and hopefully not not fly off the uh, the radar a little bit and he's he's just very tactical and very strategic with everything that he's doing. And he clearly has a plan and he's sticking to it. He hasn't deviated from it yet. Who knows if he does, but it definitely with the trade deadline passing, he hasn't. And um, hopefully building a really strong foundation for a long future here, as opposed to just kind of throwing money at something and hoping to, to hit a small window. And we're I mean, going to make they, Ravens, we're going to make Ravens Orioles uh, comparisons here, but the Miguel Castro for Kevin Smith trade when the Mets have no chance to really do anything and they go get Miguel Castro and you add a guy, a lefty, talented lefty in Kevin Smith, who maybe will never do anything, but just adds organizational depth. That's an Eric DaCosta trade. It's I mean, a Kenny he, Young right there. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's an Eric DaCosta trade. And, and that's just nice to see that they didn't, first of all, go out and buy anything and made really strategic trades um, to get some organizational depth. Yeah, I think Eric DaCosta has made his, made his money, and Ozzie Newsom did the same by being, for the most part, very, very disciplined and not throwing money at things that – I mean, there's trends, and we can go on for days about this, that in free agency and things like that, that just bad teams do over and over in the NFL, and the MLB teams do it too where they throw money at running backs or re-sign them, you know, past their thirties or whatever. And, and the Ravens, like, they just don't do that. And that's just rules they live by. And it seems as though Elias has some of the same, same types of mentalities and, and it's, it's encouraging to see. I was going to say like they, they easily, you know, they were hanging right around at the trade deadline. They easily could have bought, and, I mean, you go back to the Richard Blyer trade. They, they arguably traded their three best relievers in a time where they've been sniffing a playoff spot the whole time. And like you said, Elias had a plan coming into this year. You know, we're, we're going to stock the pond. We're, we're going to get all, as much talent as we can, and, and we're going to go from there. Because, again, they're not going to win the World Series this year. They're not going to win the World Series next year. I think after next year is, is almost like that, those Cubs teams we saw in, like, the 2015, where it's like, okay, we see, the, we see the blueprint, you know. They performed well this year. Next year is going to be their year. Next year is when they take off. And, you know, again, Mountcastle will be a season, you know, he'll, he'll have a good amount of time under his belt and he'll have some of those other players. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, you know, they didn't mortgage the future to maybe get an eight or a seven seed this year. Instead, like you said, they got the Kevin Smith. They got, you know, Nevin's son. And they, they got some of those guys who, who hopefully will – be able to contribute again it's just I mean it's crazy the amount of prospects they got for again Michael Givens Miguel Castro and Richard Blyer and Tommy Malone which which just still blows my mind so we'll roll into this weekend then and as you say not buying anything for a seven or eight seed the seven or eight seed is right there for the O's mm-hmm. right now four game series against the Yankees that was supposed to start as we record tonight on Thursday that game got canceled on the Bronx it's a fascinating series if you look at it the mentality of the Orioles obviously is the plucky upstart. No chance they should have been here on the Yankee side. And, and Brian, you touched on it a little bit. That fan base is straight up panicking at this meltdown point, mode um, about their team. And rightfully so a team with 
absolute World Series or bus expectations, a stacked lineup. They've gone through a ton of injuries. They've had issues with performance um, from certain guys. Um, they were able to right the ship a little bit against Toronto in Buffalo the other day. Um, but all the pressure is on the Yankees um, in New York this year or this weekend, excuse me. What do you guys see from the series? Do, do, do the Yankees kind of break out of this and, and kind of put the Orioles down or, or, do, the, or do the birds uh, fight and, and kind of ratchet up the pressure on the back pages of the New York newspapers this weekend? I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees come out and win three out of four. Cause I mean, they probably should, but it, it, it seems like, I think the Orioles said they're going eight Cobb, Aiken, Kramer means. So like they're setting, they're setting it up. Those are their top four guys. They're setting it up where they, they, they want to win, obviously win these series, you know, they, they want to win every game, but this series, like you said, it's, it's going to be big. And, and I think Brandon Hyde even said today, like, it's going to be a dog fight. Like we are, we're, we're, we know what we're getting into in New York. And again, they're a hungry team. They're, they're itching and scratching. I mean, I saw someone in their fan base call them underdogs yesterday. I don't know if that was yesterday or today, but like that was arguably the funniest thing I've read all year. It's like they spent $340 million on a pitcher and you're underdogs. It's, I, I don't know. I mean, I part, like I said, part of me, I, I'm going into this thinking the Yankees are going to win three out of four, but after last week, last weekend, I mean, anything could happen. You know, it's a tiny ballpark. Who knows? The Yankees, they're not playing well. Again, they, they, all the pressure is on them. The Orioles are playing with house money like they have been for, for the entire year. And, I mean, all the pressure is on the Yankees to, to come out and perform. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The Yankees have every reason to believe that they should win this uh, the series three out of four, maybe four out of four. We have to remember that we had not beaten them a single time in 19 or 20 games. But with the way things are going, the just the mentality of the two teams, the momentum – Anything can happen, and I think if the Orioles come out in that first game of a, of a quick, you know, two seven-inning games on Friday night, if they really come out hot in the top of the first and put, put a run or two on the board, it, that panic kind of seeps in, and it's, it seems to be the way things are going for the Yankees, and, and, and hopefully the, the Orioles can maintain that kind of energy through just to carry them through the whole series. It's, you know, baseball's as much of a crapshoot sport as there is, and um, if they can really put a dent into that, into the standings there and take three out of four from up there in New York, that'd be incredible. I, mean, I, <laughs> I can't imagine what kind of, uh, what kind of mentality the Yankees would walk away from that series having given where, where they're at now. So um, it's just kind of exciting to have that opportunity just in itself. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be a really fun series to watch, regardless of what happens uh, to the Orioles. To have them in this spot, as we've talked about, is pretty awesome. And there is going to be no fear, I think, from that team. As you said, playing with house money, go up there, see what happens. I've just been waiting for this Yankees team to figure it out again. And I, I feel like it's going to happen at some point. You hope it's not this weekend. There's just too – even with the injuries, you know, you, you don't have Judge at this point, Stanton out. There's just so much talent up and down the, the team there that you think they're going to figure that out. Hopefully the Orioles can get it done. Uh, I'll, I'll go d down the line here, Eric, uh, final prediction for the Orioles. What is, how does the series go? Uh, I'll go, the, I'll say they split it. I'll, I'll say they'll probably take one of two in the double header. Maybe they sneak out Sunday with a win. John means pitched pretty well. Um, his last start, maybe he's, he's coming into form. I, I'll say they split the series and you know, they didn't make up any ground, but they didn't lose any ground. Black? I think that – I mean, I just I just can't 
it's tough to think that the Orioles are actually going to go up there and get it done. I hate to be a downer <laughs> to kind of bring down the energy and everything. It's just at some point, logic dictates that they, they have to figure it out, right? The Yankees have to figure it out. And this, the Orioles seem to be the team that they've figured it out against the last couple of years, the last hundred years, really. But um, it's hard to, it's hard to think that, that any, it's going to go any other way, but you know, up is down in 2020. So who the hell knows? Very true. I agree with you. I think the Orioles will uh, lose three out of four here. Unfortunately, uh, not to also be a downer. Uh, but you know what? You know what? I I I gotta be honest. At the beginning of the year, I didn't think they'd win fifteen games. It's okay to lose three out of four no. to the Yankees in the middle of a playoff race. It's like it, it would be expected. But but the fun thing is, regardless of what happens, Sunday we're gonna have Ravens football in the opener and a meaningful Orioles baseball game in September. And I think if you're a Baltimore sports fan, you really can't ask much. Uh, more from your, from your two teams here. So um, it should be a fun weekend overall um, for Baltimore sports and, and, and coming to the end of our, our first exit 52 podcast. Um, I just want to say to you guys and, and to all our listeners out there, and we hope there are a lot for this first episode and we hope there are a lot um, as we go forward here. Um, yeah, tell your I'm, friends. Tell your friends. How good this has been. <laughs> that I, that, that I'm really excited. I'm excited to talk with you guys about these two teams and, and the other Baltimore things that we get into. I'm sure we'll get some Terps talk in here at some point um, when we finally come back and play. Um, We're going to go I'm off lo- the wall a little bit too. Sorry to cut you off there, Taylor. No, not at all. Feel there, but uh, I'm looking to, to get a little off the wall here. I mean, there are two teams and we can talk about them ad nauseum, but uh, there's pockets, there's off seasons, and, and there's all kinds of things going on in Baltimore that people aren't necessarily talking about. Um, and there's always the wire. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you have educated yourself on that yet, Taylor, but um, the, the two of us can go for days on it. Um, but regardless, uh, there's that. I want to interview some of the weirder, wackier people that we see around here in Baltimore. Um, we'll keep those kind of potential guests. I mean, we have to do the legwork of actually getting them onto the podcast, but we have ideas on who those people might be. And uh just bringing some entertainment to people um, beyond just sports. And, you know, sports is kind of the sweet spot for us here, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to get weird with it a little bit. So. No, I think there's no doubt. I think we want to bring on um, some of the notable Baltimore names that you know, from a sports perspective. And as Brian says, get off the wall a little bit. As you said, we could talk about the Orioles and the Ravens for days and days, but there's other things in the city to talk about obviously. And there's other things in this region to talk about too. I'm sure we'll jump into some of those things and maybe we'll, in those off season pockets, we'll talk about things that have nothing to freaking do uh, with this town. Cause I'm sure people would rather um, listen to some other things at times. Um, but no, I, I think we want to continue to serve you. And as the listeners um, definitely make sure um, to, st- to stick with us here, exit 52 podcast on all of your social platforms um, is where you can find us, send us suggestions, send us if you, what you don't like, send us what you do like, Tell us if we're talking about too much Vegas Golden Knights when they're inevitably in the Stanley Cup lack, whatever it may be. Uh, guest ideas, segment ideas. I mean, we, we're looking to work some segments in here at this at some point, but really today we just wanted to set the table for what this podcast is going to be, uh, for what this Raven season is going to be, and this, this stretch run here for the Orioles. We want to hit the sweet spot, like I said, for those sports teams. Um, and uh, I'm excited to have the two of you with me um, to kind of – lead everyone through the way you know and um you know any last words here eric i'm just you know kind of echoing what you guys are saying i mean i you know some of the guests that you that we've all talked about the last couple weeks i mean they're they're 
there are going to be some good listens and, and some good conversations if we can get those people. And I think we can, I don't know if we can get everyone on our list, but we're going to be able to, to wrangle up a good amount. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're, you know, and it's not like we're not just, we're not just going to talk Orioles. We're not just going to talk Ravens and Terps and Caps and all that. We're, like we'll talk NFL. We'll talk MLB. It's not like we're going to ignore the world series when it happens or the super bowl, the Ravens aren't in it. Um, and again, I mean, there's just so much conversation and, and, and topics in Baltimore that, that are just going uncovered and, and just, you know, like, like we've kind of talked about, no one's really grabbed this by the horns and, and we think we're the right people to do it. And, and we're, you know, excited to have the listeners along with us again, echoing what you guys said, if there's something that we're doing that you guys don't like or like, let us know, um, hit us up on the social channels. And you, no one has ever had a problem telling, telling Brian and I what they don't like about us. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, that's still open. So feel free to, you know, DMs yeah, are apologies open. Apologies in advance, to, but you're walking into that world now, Taylor. That's okay. I've, I've, I've seen some, some social media backend stuff that, that's not too pretty. I'm just sure not, you have. It's not, just not to myself. No, I couldn't, I couldn't sum it up any better. I apologize if I've ever been one of those people. Well, you know, we, 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 we'll, we'll dive into that at some point. We'll, we'll, we'll get sure a couple we will. podcasts under our belt and then we'll, we'll talk about that. But um, no, awesome. Awesome to have you guys um, um, giving your expertise to, to the fan base out there and we'll keep this thing rolling. Um, and that wraps up the first edition of the Exit 52 podcast. Follow us, Exit 52 podcast. We'll keep rolling on the social media. Make sure to follow these guys. Give me, give me the handle. Shout out the handles, boys. Uh, at Barstool Banks for me uh, on both Twitter and Instagram. I just created an Instagram this past year. I don't know what I'm doing with it, but feel free to follow it. I'm going to figure it out at some point. That's a promise. My, my Twitter is at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. My Instagram is my, my full real name, my government name, at E-R-I-C-A-R-D-I-T-T-I. If you like videos of, of 22-year-old, my daughter, and, and dogs and things like that, and uh, some Orioles updates, you can get that all there. There it is. And, and we, we want to keep those Twitters on the books and not suspended. Definitely not suspended. <laughs> Definitely not suspended. Would not you, be great. <laughs> you can follow Taylor Smite 10 for me on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see everyone next week.